also can get on Breeze and connect, find one of your elders or deacons and send a prayer request to them. So please keep us in the loop as, the, as these times progress and let us know how we can be praying for you. Um, let's see. Uh, one thing I do want to mention, Tuesday night we are going to attempt a Zoom Bible for Dummies at 7 o'clock. Uh, we will send out the invite uh, the same way we did for this meeting, but encourage you to participate there if you are available. And uh, that'll be a little more interactive. We'll have some audio on, et cetera, so that uh, you can ask questions and whatnot. But uh, we'd love to have you uh, be a part of that if you can. All right. So we have a little bit of a surprise for everyone this morning. We have two families who are going to be joining Hope today. Uh, if the Barnes and the Evans could come forward at this time, that would be great. Try not to trip over any wires or kick any ladders or anything else that may be in the way. We kind of kind of a funny studio set up here today, but uh, come on up. Uh, just right over here. Here, y'all come over here. You got to be by your wife. Yeah, but you know, practice good. What do they call it? Social distancing. Yes. All right. So Rose and Brian, good to have you here. Finally, um, no offense. Yeah, but it's good to have you here. Um, and uh, the Evans have been with us for a while now, a little over a year, I guess, and uh, we're coming up around that, around that, right? Okay. And uh, Brian's been working two jobs uh, as an EMS and then at Walmart and then uh, recently decided for a little bit of sanity and uh, was now available on Sunday mornings. And the Barnes have been with us for a similar amount of time, well, about nine months or so. Six, six, eight months, I don't know, something like that. It, I'm sure to Liz it feels like three or four years. But uh, um, anyway, we're thrilled to have you all at this point, and I have a couple of questions for you. Uh, it's important to remember that the, the church is not just us. There's, there's, it's made up of God's people all over the world and throughout history. And this is just a visible representation of something that's already true, that God is alive in your hearts by the presence of his Holy Spirit through the sacrifice of his son, and that he wants you to be part of his family here on earth in a tangible and active way. And so to that end, uh, we come today, as you have all professed your faith in Jesus Christ, I've got these questions for membership for you, and then we'll have some questions for the congregation, and you can just chime in by chat when it gets to that point. Um, but uh, so to Dave and Liz and Brian and Rose, you acknowledge yourselves to be sinners in the eyes of God and without hope for your salvation except in his sovereign mercy, do you? Okay. And do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the son of God and the savior of sinners? And do you receive and depend upon him alone as he is offered for your salvation in the gospel? And do you now promise and resolve in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will endeavor to live as become followers of Jesus Christ? And do you promise to serve Christ and his church by supporting and participating with uh, Hope Church in its service to God and its ministry to others according to the best of your God-given abilities? Excellent. Last question for you. Do you submit yourselves to the government and discipline of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church and to the spiritual oversight of Hope Church's session of elders, and do you promise to promote the unity, purity, 
and peace of the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So having answered these questions in the affirmative and already uh, acknowledged your, your faith in Jesus Christ, um, I declare you entitled to all of the privileges and responsibility of, of full, full membership in the Church of Jesus Christ here at Hope. And uh, I have one question for the congregation. Do you accept these new members? Oh, we lost the feed. Oh, well. <laughs> I don't know if we still have audio or not. We, do, we still have audio. All right, we're going to keep going. Do you accept... Uh, these new members of your church and endeavor to pray for them and support them in their life of faith together as a part of Hope Church. Just go ahead and chat in yes if you're not here. All right. Amen. Um, all right. So uh, what do we do? Give the right elbow of fellowship? <laughs> Love you guys. Left elbow of fellowship over here. Elbow bump. All right. Aiden. All right. Love you guys. Glad you're here. Uh, let me say a quick prayer for you before we uh, break up here. Father God, we thank you for the gift of your church, for the ways in which you support and encourage our faith by being part of your family. We pray your blessing on the Barnes and the Evans and uh, just ask that hope would be a place where their faith would thrive and grow and that you would enrich our lives and our faith through knowing them and serving alongside them. We just pray your blessing upon our church body. Uh, as we uh, struggle through these days together, uh, keep us close and connected even when we cannot be physically together. Uh, we know that you exist in a way that transcends the physical realm, and so we just call upon that and lean into that truth in these days. Your blessing, your grace, your peace, your love, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to Hope. All right. You may be seated. Good job. Woohoo. That's a virtual five. All right. So we thought it might be a good idea to just sort of try to keep things as normal as possible uh, in this time that we're going through as a country and, and as a world, really. And so uh, we're just, this is our... This is our normal standard worship service, and we are in the middle of a series of messages called Drawn to the Sun. Uh, this whole series was started uh, in a way uh, by the convergence of two different things. One member of our church who was doodling on the church bulletin and uh, drew a, a tree, took the Hope logo cross and turned it into a tree, and then another discussion that we were having about how do we grow closer to God through Jesus Christ? What are the things that he has given us, the tools that God has given us to grow closer to him? And how do we engage those more fully as his people? And so that discussion led to um, inclusion of our first sermon in the series was a study of God's word, the power of God's word, the fruitfulness of God's word in our lives, ways in which we can engage his word to grow and become the people that he's called us to be. Uh, the second message in the series was on communion. We did that last week, sort of the, the final opportunity to have communion together as God's family before uh, we were you know, trying to uh, re 
respect our civil authorities' call to um, self-isolate. And so uh, this week, we come to the subject of prayer. And so instead of you know, trying to change what we were doing and, and come up with something that was you know, maybe driven by th- what's going on all around us, I thought it might be better to just focus on something that will ground us in a truth and a power that far transcends the insanity of this world. And so we were already planning to cover the topic of prayer today. Ironically, you all have a little more time on your hands to pray. So no excuses for not applying today's sermon and taking some time this week and really opening your heart before God and spending some good quality time in prayer. Uh, For Dan, that usually includes a nap, but, you know, God doesn't mind if you are praying and you fall asleep in his arms. He likes that. He loves you. He's meditating on God's glory. All right. (laughs) I can sin if I'm, well, never mind. Yeah. Um, Yeah, we'll just keep going. So. To that end, I'm going to read to you uh, the words that Jesus gave us, uh, sort of the preamble to the Lord's Prayer and the Lord's Prayer itself, and then a concluding uh, thought or two of his after he teaches the Lord's Prayer to his followers. I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to read verses 5 through 15. So this is from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, 5 through 15. And when you pray... You must not let the hypocrites, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray... Do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Will you join me in prayer? God, our loving Father, As we pause before you now, we pray that you would speak to us through your word. We acknowledge that our hearts are troubled, that there is much going on in the world around us that concerns us, and yet we reaffirm our faith in you, that you are the God of love, that you are the God who still moves and works in this world, that you are the God whose love can conquer fear. And so we pray that you would call us to come to a place of rest at the foot of your cross today, that we could lay down the burdens of our hearts and encounter you here through your word in the quietness of your voice. Speak to us today. 
we lift before you those whom we know and love who are uh, traveling home, who are in uncertain circumstances, who are sick, who are facing uncertain diagnoses, and we just pray your peace, your presence, your healing mercies, your travel mercies, all of those people that are heavy on our hearts today, we lift them before you. We lift up our nation and the world around us. We pray that you would give our government leaders wisdom and discernment in their response to this crisis. And Lord, we pray for your healing, for your people to be sources of light and love in the midst of this chaos. And Lord, we pray that you would be with your church here at Hope, around the world, that you would use us to shed some peace and love and light into this dark and hurting world. Fill us with your Holy Spirit now as we open your word, open our hearts, speak to us, grow us into the men and women of God that you have called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, there are um, several places in scripture that we can turn to on the subject of prayer. Um, I'm just going to reference one. Uh, to kind of start us off, but in the book of Revelation, the uh, author of the book of Revelation is trying to describe the throne room of God, and he describes this incense, this bowl of incense where uh, this smoke is rising and filling the room, and he says that that incense is made of the prayers of God's people. Your prayers fill heaven. They give God the aroma of love and peace, and they just, they're, they're present, they're active in heaven itself and here on earth. And so I say that to sort of cast our understanding of prayer and our call into prayer. Prayer is important, and we tend to uh, minimize the importance of prayer uh, when someone is sick and they've had surgery or something like that, we might even say something, well, all we can do now is pray. I feel powerless. Actually, that may be the most powerful thing we can do at any time. If you think about it, those prayers that we offer here are heard in heaven. They fill the presence of God and lift the, the spirits of all who participate in the activity of prayer. And so to that end, I want to take us through this passage. This is part of what is often called the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is teaching his disciples some uh, radical truths, uh, really, in many respects. Um, one of, you know, one series of those truths is, you know, you have heard it said that you should not murder. I tell you, don't even hate your brother in your heart, for then you have transgress the commandments and people have got to be listening to Jesus as he teaches these words and be whoa 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 I'm toast there's no way I can fulfill this teaching and that we'll get to that towards the end of the message but that's actually part of the point that Jesus is trying to make so let's start in verse 5 and we're going to just sort of group verses 5 through 8 together and I'm going to call this section God's call for us to check our motives. When we come to him in prayer, 
the motives of our hearts are paramount. This is God wants us to come to him for the right reasons in the right ways. And I say that, but I, I don't want you to think that there's some wrong way to pray. God is very forgiving. He's very understanding. He wants you to be in relationship to him through prayer. And so come to him and pray. But at the same time, we need to come to him for the right reasons. And Jesus identifies a couple of those reasons. In verses 5 through 6, he essentially says that the purpose of prayer that we must seek is to grow closer to God. We pray so that we can move closer to God. Um, we're not to worry about others. Jesus condemns people who pray in public ways that are uh, drawing attention to themselves. Um, this is part of a larger message against hypocrisy that he's praying. This doesn't mean you can't pray in public. Ironically, when Jesus gives this prayer, he's praying in public in front of other people, right? So you can, it's okay to pray in front of other people. The question is why, what's going on in here that is driving you to pray in front of other people? And if that drive, if that motive is to grow closer to God, you're good. You're doing it right even if you can't find the words or have the, the wherewithal, the confidence to pray in front of people. Uh, the, the idea is to pray. That's number one. And, and so we don't want to worry about what other people think. We want to be focused on growing closer to God. And Jesus reminds us in verse 5 that the blessing is already in the praying, that we find blessing by praying. He says, your father who sees in secret will reward you. The prayer, the engagement of God is the blessing or a big part of it. We often try to think of prayer in terms of God's answer to the prayer. And God, well, Jesus will address that in a moment. But God sort of shakes his head and says, no, no, it's not about the answer. It's about our connection, our engagement. And that brings us to this next idea that as we seek to grow closer to God through prayer, we also seek to strengthen our connection to God through prayer. Prayer builds strength in our faith. We're not doing this to try to impress anyone. Jesus tells us not to heap up empty words in our prayers for the sake of sort of looking really spirit. Yay, Lord, I beseech thee. That's not how we pray, right? It's a heart-driven conversation with God. And so to not be focused on trying to impress anyone, but rather to pray in order to build up our faith. Prayer connects us to something that we don't otherwise have access to. The presence and power of God as he distributes it through the relationship of our relationship with him through prayer. Prayer is a connection to our creator. There's power there, there's love there, there's purpose there. And so if I can use a, an illustration that I don't really like, it's kind of like math. Do you remember math? Terry probably, Terry's our, our uh, you know, is a CPA and, and uh, a part-time treasurer or something for the church. I don't know what he does. Um, but uh, he hates math. So I, I feel you, man. Um, but, uh, you know, the math teacher, none of the students are bothered by the fact that the math teacher already knows the answer 
to the problems that the math students have to work out on their own. And Jesus says exactly the same thing. God already knows what you need. He already knows what you're going to pray. He already knows the answer. But he wants you to pray anyway. And as we pray, just like in math, as we work those subtraction problems, we get better, we get more familiar, we become more confident. And you can't just jump in to algebra without doing some addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, a few fractions, those kinds of things. It's a process. We build our skill set gradually as we pray. And God wants us to be developing that skill set. And when would we ever need this? I don't know, maybe during a global pandemic, you might want to be able to pray. And you might want to be better at it than you were a few years ago. And so we try to engage our relationship with God through prayer to build our faith, to strengthen ourselves spiritually. So there is this call to check our motives. Our motives are to grow closer to God and to build this skill set that will access his power, his, his love, his grace, his presence uh, more aptly for us in life. But then Jesus moves to a call for us to use some structure in our prayer life. He doesn't say only pray this prayer, our Father who art in heaven. He says pray like this. He's giving you a model, a structure to guide your prayer life. So we're going to look at that structure a little bit. And I, I want you to actually do this this week, this second point of structure I want you to actually take with you this week and put it into practice okay so we start or Jesus starts this call to to use this structure with a call to praise and thanksgiving he begins the prayer with our father who is in heaven hallowed be thy name and this idea that we can, we can begin our prayers by praising God is actually set, it's, it's a way to set the right tone for the rest of our prayer. We begin by saying something like, God, you are, you are mighty, you are powerful, you are loving, I praise you for who you are. You are my creator you are my sustainer, you are my redeemer, I praise you for who you are. And that moves very easily into this idea of thanksgiving. And can I just say there's not a human being on this earth who does not benefit from stopping and giving thanks on a regular basis. God wants us to be a thankful people because when we are thankful for what we have, for what God has done for us, then we exude joy when others are in turmoil. Or even when we ourselves are in turmoil, we can still have access to this joy. So we're to praise God to set the right tone for our prayers, and we're to remember that we all need to stop and give thanks. There's a, there's a beautiful passage in Psalm 30, verse 4. I just included the reference there for you. encourage you to look it up. Read all of Psalm 30. It's really about praise and thanksgiving. 
All right, so we begin there by praising God for who he is, by thanking him for what he has done for us. And then we pray for God's will to be done. This is really important. I, I don't know about you, but many times when I pray, I, I will have the Hope Church prayer request list in front of me. And I maybe I think I'm in a hurry. And so I just sit down and say, Lord, and I lift up person by person. I just go down the list. I get done. I hang up. I go on with my day. Uh, if you're under the age of 30, hanging up is what you used to do with a phone when they had lines attached to them. You'll understand this. Ask your parents to explain it to you. Um, but really, God wants us to slow down, to spend a little bit of time in praise and thanksgiving, and then to really consider what he wants. Uh, even Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, prior to his death, says, God, if there's any way that you can take this cup from me, please, I don't want to do this. But not my will, but your will be done. That, my friends, is a prayer. A prayer that sets the stage for our hearts, our wills, coming into alignment with God's will. And so to pray for God's will to be done means we place our will, what we want, as secondary to what God wants. And it means that we make his kingdom our priority. What does that mean? Thy will be done, thy kingdom come. Here's what God's kingdom is made of. It's made of love. It's made of grace. It's made of forgiveness. And these are the things that God wants us to shoulder and bear into this dark and hurting world. That we are to carry into the darkness the light of his love, his grace, and his forgiveness. These are the things we are called to, not just in prayer, but in the way we live out our prayers in everyday life. Uh, my favorite memory verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, says, pray continually. Meaning that we are always about the bringing of God's kingdom to this earth. Well, I don't, I'm not always about that. I'm usually about me, but I'm supposed to always be about bringing God's kingdom more and more fully into this world, his love, his grace, his forgiveness. And then, yes, of course, once we have started with praise and thanksgiving and we have oriented ourselves and prioritized God's will over our own, our daily bread can be prayed for. This is okay. God actually cares about your needs not perhaps not your first world problems right um, but he does care about your needs and so we are to pray for our needs when we go to God he wants to hear what's on our heart he wants to know what our burdens are he wants to engage with us and be in a relationship with us and so he wants us not to whine about our first world problems but he wants us to come to him 
to come into his presence, to sit down in his presence and talk and tell him what it is we're worried about, what it is we need, to give to him the honor of requesting our daily bread. So we praise him and thank him. We pray for his will over our own. We pray for our needs. And then Jesus leads us to the least favorite part of prayer, taking out the trash. Um, this is so simple and so difficult all at the same time. And I, I don't know about you. Actually, I probably do, but I'll just talk about me. Um, sometimes when I'm confessing, I feel like a broken record. Like, oh yeah, I, I confessed this yesterday. I was a jerk to my wife. I, I confessed that Friday as well. Oh yeah, and Thursday, and when, and every single time I come into your presence. This is why confession is important. Because it reminds us of our deeply rooted need for the gospel. The cross is not just for people who don't know Jesus. The cross is for us. It's for me. I need to return there. And we'll talk about this more in a moment because Jesus really sets us up for that. But for now, just know that God wants you to be honest with him. And there's nothing to hide because he's omniscient and omnipresent already. As Jesus said, he already knows. He already knows what you need to confess. You're not confessing it for God's sake. You're confessing it for the, your own sake, for your own health and well-being. And when we engage God in this way, when we're honest with him, not beating ourselves up, but just simply being honest with God, our relationship with him deepens. We understand his grace and his forgiveness more fully. And Jesus does something really interesting at, at, towards the end of the Lord's Prayer. He says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He reminds us that this call to take out the trash, to face our own sin, is also a call to face the sin in the world, to stand against injustice, to stand up for people who are suffering, to join the battle between good and evil. Um, we're already in the battle between good and evil. It's already all around us. And God is saying when we come to him, and we confess our contributions to the evil side of the battle, it cleans the slate. It renews our faith, our will, our spirit to re-engage and be on the right side. And God says it's, the war is waging all around us. And when we can come to him in prayer and acknowledge that, that we need his protection from the forces of evil, we are realigning ourselves with him. We're, on, we're putting ourselves on the right side of that battle. So to check our motives, 
to look into our hearts and, and what's driving our prayers and to lean into the structure that Jesus gives us in, in the word, especially here in the Lord's Prayer, but then to surrender our hearts. Verses 14 and 15 are not easy for me to read. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Oh, great. Um, what if I don't? Oh, well, he answers that. If you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Ouch. I, yeah, that's not very comforting right? Um, Here's what Jesus is doing. In the Sermon on the Mount and throughout his teaching, he's setting up impossibilities. Love your enemy as yourself. Impossible. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it's better to lose your hand than to be cast into eternal fire. True, but not so easy. Um, turn the other cheek. <laughs> Not easy when somebody's walking out with the last package of toilet paper. Aha. Yeah. No pun intended. Um, all of these teachings are, are, are really his way of setting us up for one thing. To come back to his grace. All of this, all of our faith, all of our prayer, all of our life as Christians comes back to God's grace. Christianity boils down to forgiveness. God's love for you, for his people, compelled him to send his son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, that we might find grace, forgiveness, and peace with God. This is the fundamental truth of Christianity. We have to return there. We have to remember what God has done for us. These words of God won't forgive you if you don't forgive others should bring us to our knees to say, Lord, help me. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. We must remember what he has done for us, and we must extend that grace to others. That's why we're here. And it all comes back to grace, and it all leads back to the cross. This is the place that we must return in our prayer, in our scripture reading, in our lives, in our thoughts, in everything we do. It has to come back to the cross. The cross reminds us that we are not perfect. I assure you, the ground at the level of the cross, I'm sorry, the ground in front of the cross is level. No one there is better than anyone else. We all look up to the one who has provided for our salvation. And we look around at a perfectly equal sea of humanity. This is a great equalizer 
of our faith. And it's the call of all Christian activity to return to the cross. This is why we conclude our prayers in the name of Jesus Christ, the one who died on that cross. We remember by coming back to the cross that we are not perfect and we return again and again to his sacrifice for us because that's where we find the renewal of our faith, the the deepening of our connection to God through prayer. It is there in front of that cross that we are all reminded of how profoundly loved we are. You are God's child. He loves you. He's crazy about you. And he went that far to redeem us from our sin that we can be better connected to him, that we can be more fully expressive of his grace in this world. Will you join me in prayer? God, our loving Father, we thank you for your word and your call to pray. Lord, we ask that in these days ahead, as we are uh, trying not to kill each other at home, that we would take time to pray, to open our hearts to you, to praise you and thank you, to align our wills with yours, to express to you our needs, and to confess to you some of the ugly truths that lie within that we might be reminded of how much you love us and brought back to that cross that brings so much hope and salvation, forgiveness and joy to our hearts. Lord, help us to come back to that place regularly, to remember that you love us, that you have redeemed us, that your holy son, was offered as a sacrifice for the atonement of our sin and that we can lift our heads from those places of shame and guilt to a renewed sense of purpose in showing your love in this world. We thank you for the mercies and graces that are ours in Jesus Christ and we pray that you would give us the strength to live them out in our relationships with others. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.